Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Courtney Staples and C.R. Rowenson. On today's episode, we are finishing up our time in, uh, oh, you know, I don't really want to call it genocide world because that just sounds awful. Uh, but man, that's pretty much what it is. So let's yeah. can, can we call it the post-human world? That's you know what, Clark, that, that, that is a better. very gentle way. Yes. Okay, that's great. Yeah. On today's episode, we are finishing up our time in the post-human world. A prompt sent to us by one of our longtime patrons, one Mr. Diplo Raptor. So a big thank you to Diplo Raptor for this particular prompt. This is the second part in a two-part episode. So if this is your first time listening to the podcast, I always recommend that you go back and listen to the first one because, oh boy, it's going to be a little confusing otherwise. If you want us to build your world, you can submit your own prompt by going to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, where you can click the link, follow some instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to follow us on social media, we're on YouTube, where you can click the likes and the bells and the subscribes and all of that stuff that makes YouTube happy. Or you can go and follow us on Twitter at Let's World Build. We're also on Discord if you want to come chat with us more directly. And if you're feeling particularly generous or just want sweet, sweet patron-only goodies like the Aphid Lounge, Too Hot for Broadcast, or two episode lengths worth of prompt building, I guess. Yeah, that works. Then you can go and be our Patreon. You give us money. In return, you get all sorts of fun little goodies. Or if this is just a way for you to say thank you for the podcast over the years, that works too. And with all of that out of the way, let's dive right back in. And the last time we left off, we had it left with a twist. And the twist was nothing can go beyond 14 horsepower, roughly the same energy output as like a bonfire. So considering our fairly low magic world, I'm kind of curious to see how this works out. And Courtney, let's start with you today. How did you reconcile our twist? My thought was that the reason that that limitation exists is at least in part because the demon plague itself is attracted to large amounts of energy in one place. Son of a bitch, Courtney. You too. Yeah, no, that's exactly. Yeah. Okay. Continue. And I'll I'll throw in what I got as well. Yep. Go ahead. Yeah. Like basically I wanted to get around the idea that like, oh, can't you just have a ton of little power sources in one spot and have them all funnel into something else? Um, Mm. Like maybe you still technically can do that, but nobody's going to want to because it'll attract the the plague monsters and the rats and maybe even draw those miasma clouds themselves. Mm, Interesting. Okay, that's that's actually a really interesting way to justify like a lot of things. So mm-hmm. so that's better than what I had as well. So good <laughs> for you. But the idea that like the plague clouds are like drawn to energy sources, that's that's a really fun idea because then you can kind of like play with it a little bit where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. we can like effectively drive where the plagues go. Oh, yeah. Oh, you can lure them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, didn't even think about that possibility implications baby (laughs) yeah because of the implications i like that that's good Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's really fun uh considering how close mine is i feel like it's it's best for me to hop on yeah i similarly was like well we need justification for it and the demon plague is the very easy way to do it i i thought what might be interesting as well is that the reason that like energy is being siphoned off is the same reason that like magic doesn't work the same way as well 
And so fundamentally, right, we're breaking how physics technically work mm-hmm. through this particular twist. And yeah, I think that if we're dealing with old ones or some kind of like infernal force, mm-hmm. then yeah, them gnawing on reality itself in the form of like warping physics is a really good way to justify that. I, I thought that no one else was going to go with a justification <laughs> for it. So, I mean, look, we just sync up sometimes. Clark, I swear to God, if yours is also a justification for this thing, I'm going to actually I'm going to be fine with it. But <laughs> what did you what did you have for what do you got for us? Yeah, so I was thinking about that, but I <laughs> went a slightly different direction because I kind of assumed that that was a cap on reality. I do really like what you guys have added. Um, I do still think there should be kind of a cap on what is Mm -hmm. now physically possible. Obviously, at this point, it's more than a bonfire, uh, but it sounds like anything more than a bonfire starts attracting unwanted attention. So with that in mind, because I assume assuming there was that kind of cap, I started rethinking what I had been doing of the world. And there's going to be a lot of problems with industry and metalworking, especially. Yep. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my reconciliation was a shift in the form of their tech to be mm-hmm. more natural, like reusing mm-hmm. parts of the natural world, monster remains, things like that. So yep. even when we were talking about guns and gunpowder, I'm like, okay, well, what if rather than guns, like metal tubes, they have to use like weird, um, like coral tubes from like the the volcanic mm. vents and stuff like that things that automatically form a tube shape have some integrity and then they have to treat them and manage them mm. and use that cuz smelting metal with that low of a cap like there's a lot oh, of energy yeah. in a bonfire but smelting metal is going to be really really difficult mm. yes yeah mm-hmm. so or you need a much softer metal which is obviously not good for tech right yeah right right so that's kind of how i shifted it in my head it's going to be a lot more like feral looking where they're using pieces of animals mm-hmm. pieces of stone weird coral structures mm-hmm. combinations amalgamations lots of composite materials that kind I of stuff i too am a big monster hunter and clark so yeah, yeah exactly I'm, I'm right, there, I'm right <laughs> there with you <ya. laughs> Yeah, that sounds dope. And it, yeah, the the aesthetic is always cool too, right? Like when you've got like a bone made like shotgun, like come on, that's a cool concept, right? Right. And then that started to spiral and all kinds of stuff. People using like air rifles or weird uh, needle launchers and stuff instead of mm-hmm. guns. And that's mm-hmm. kind of where guns started getting an edge was range and precision as opposed to these mm-hmm. other less reliable things. So mm-hmm. like guns are tricky, but that kind of gets into my faction a little bit. So I'm just going to. Well, that sounds like a perfect segue for you to talk about your faction, Clark. Why don't you go ahead and hit us <laughs> with your particular faction then? OK, so the the faction that I want to create, I think people just refer to them as the smelters. And they're basically tinkers of old. They're mm-hmm. traveling merchants slash tradesmen who specialize in fire and fire capabilities and they're some of the few people who actually work with metal. Okay. And that ties great with your whole thing, Courtney, because that explains why they're nomadic, is they can yeah. do stuff, but they have to stay on the move mm-hmm. or they draw too much attention anywhere they stop. But mm-hmm. they were useful before, but then with gunpowder, these guys could become really, really important because they may be the primary source of precision-built 
rifle barrels. Mm-hmm. And they're like the only source because any other source that tries to do it gets mobbed by monsters. Yeah, I like how that works with the setting that we've built up already. That's really cool. I completely agree. And I was really worried that we would have more faction overlap, but I think that we've got a good enough amount of like distance that we're, I'm, I'm not going to like, you know, be angry with you like I was with Courtney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I really like, especially with that whole monsters being drawn to energy, this is going to be really cool. It's going to create a really high level of scarcity mm-hmm. on guns, mm-hmm. which is yeah. going to make them even more potent for the few people who have these high quality rifles. Yeah. And that does also lead to that implication that we talked about before of like actively attracting mm-hmm. these monsters. Like I could see, I don't know how how uh morally inclined you pictured your faction, but like <laughs> could see like if they, you know, are turned away or like insulted or injured in some way by some settlement, just like okay, we're going to like set up right next door to you and uh, yeah. do a bunch of our work and then leave and good luck with all those monsters that we leave behind. Oh boy, yeah, that is... <laughs> if they're huh. particularly spiteful anyway and not... And well, not there's <laughs> a lot of old lore of things like it's bad luck to turn away or hurt a tinker, right? Yeah. I think uh, this feeds yeah. like perfectly into that. That's sort of their mm-hmm. defense thing. Like you don't mess with us because <laughs> reasons. Yeah, yeah no, that, yeah. that's a really good point. And then on top of that, right, like, there is an inherent danger in what they do. Mm-hmm. So there's like, we're, we're not going to turn you away because of the spite, but also like, you know, like what they're doing is inherently dangerous, right? They, they, they are plague bringers because of the work that they do as well. Right. But yeah, that's why they got to keep moving in. Like you don't want them in your town more than like a day or two. Yeah. 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 That's good. That's that's really fun. I, I could see like settlements being like, oh, we, we only need like five nails. Please make them immediately and just like go away. Just just get out. Yeah. We'll pay you however much you want. Just leave. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would also imagine that they they can maybe like sit in one place where it's like, oh, we've got really good equipment here and they'll camp out for those areas just a little bit longer. Right. Or or they might like set up in the middle of nowhere and then have like a big like We've got to work feverishly for the next like 24 hours yeah. just so they'll have like supply. So when they go to a town that needs nails or they go to a town that needs supplies, they can just be like, hey, we already made these. Uh, here's the, you know, here's the cost. Here's whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, oh. Like there's ways that you can get around like the kind yeah. of inherent danger to it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like maybe their actual work sites are a half a day's travel away from the mm-hmm. town or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then it could be a thing like as they travel they routinely send up flares to let people know that they're coming. Yeah. Exactly. So then they're like, okay, based on that, we've got three days before they're within range. So everybody get your list of stuff you want, get your money together. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to send outriders to meet them with the goods. Yeah. And that can be a thing where they can do the work. And if then the smelters can even come back to the town to like rest and eat. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. Lots of cool ways to deal with it. Oh, Courtney, what was at mass art? There was always that big event. Where it's like the the metalworking students got together and did all their forge shit in one night. What was that called? Oh shit, I forget what it was. Yeah, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So at Massart, there was always this big event like every year where it's like it's time to do all like the crazy, fun, wild shit when it comes to like forging. And they would mm. have like they would make a party out of it, right? Like they would make it like a big yeah. event where there was music and like art. It's an art school, so obviously there's going to be like all sorts of performance art and shit like that too. But like, I imagine that like, if you wanted to make them more fun, 
you could have something like that with them where it's like, hey, look, give me the list. And then we're going to have like this massive 24 hour party slash workathon. And, you know, it's going to be wild. It's going to be like this big, massive display. And, you know, yes, people might die, but, you know, there's the plague. You know, like I I think that there's some kind of pageantry to it, or at least there could be some level of pageantry to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that could depend both on like the specific group of smelters and the region they're moving through, right? If they're in a place where they have good relationships, they might do something more like that. Whereas others, they're like, no, we're going (laughs) to... We're going to come in. We're going to do what we need. And we're going to leave because you guys are terrible to us. But <laughs> yes, like, absolutely. I really love that, though. There's lots of fun, like um, morbid kind of morbid festivities, kind of like mm. um, when Russia first started doing stuff with Ukraine. I don't know if you guys saw it on YouTube, but they they had Molotov parties <laughs> in some of the towns where they just had music playing really loud and they just had assembly lines assembling Molotov cocktails. Jesus Christ. Oh yeah. I think I did see stuff about that. Like just huge groups of people getting together and like treating it like a, a celebration as they were making weapons. Wow. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's got a very Viking feel to it as well. I think, you know, where it's like, we're going to die. Let's go. <laughs> you know, like that kind of like celebratory, like nature to like meeting the end or like staring death in the face. But instead of like battle, it's just construction or, or rather like craft. Right. Which I think is really fun in a way as well. But yeah, I imagine that like the forge masters during that time period are like, full bore nonstop, like 24 hour period of like constant work. So it's like incredibly dangerous, incredibly wild. And some of them are probably getting way too drunk as well, you know, (laughs) or drugged up or both. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or they need Mm -hmm. like a mix of like drugs and alcohol to like keep them awake and like working for that constant 24 hour period, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Ritalin and cocaine. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. The, the yeah. Daniel special, as we call it around here. <laughs> uh, no, but that's that's fucking dope. I love that a lot. That's really fun. Yeah, I do like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 So, Courtney, yep. we, we've got to transition away because, like, I know that we're like sitting here, like, man, that's really cool. We want to do mm-hmm. more of that. Let's move away from it, Courtney. What do you have for us for your particular faction? Well, funnily enough, I pretty much have the exact opposite faction. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Perfect. What do we got? Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, I was definitely inspired by the twist for this one because my faction is a cult that believes that energy and technology is the source of the evil that has befallen the world. We got and some like Luddites, okay. Like all good cults, they take this to an extreme, like not just avoiding you know huge bonfires, but avoiding all fires, never using guns, uh, mm. only eating raw food actively sabotaging sabotaging others who do use external energy um and if we wanted it like really really extreme with it could even have them refuse to expend like any unnecessary energy themselves like speech (laughs) and stuff like that they're just these like silent like Mm. pretty much terrorists in some ways because they do want to go around actively destroying things that might attract the plague i love that so a lot are they full on atavistic trying to devolve themselves or is it just trying to be like those parts of society need to go away? Um, what do you what do you mean by that? Could you expand on that? So are they are they trying to return to basically being animals? Like, is it a whole thing where the society and technology, all of it is a problem? So we need to return mm. to our roots as like more natural predators 
Or are they just saying, no, we need to regress to a simpler society. So you still want family ties. You still want tribe, but no, (laughs) no fancy stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's it's more of a regression, but like taken to kind of an extreme. So like sort of between those two points, I guess, like they don't want to do like the return to monkey kind of thing. But okay, um, it's probably more uh, extreme than it really needs to be to thwart this threat. So how do they feel about shaped tools? Because I could see them using like bones and animal parts as is. Do they consider carving bone and reshaping wood and stuff like that? Do they consider that to be technology? Oh, that's a good question. Like maybe that's kind of the more extreme end of the faction. Um, Yeah. Like a sect that's sort of broken off. That's like, no, we literally can't even like chip away stone. We have to use it as is. Mm. Um, but I imagine that the bulk of them are still okay with like some level of like carving and stonework and stuff like that. Okay. We could just have it be like a rich panoply of all those things. So, you know, depending on the yeah. sect and faction, right? Like it could be like, these people don't speak, but they do use tools. These people, you know, yeah. talk no problem, but they only use like the most basic of hand axes or, you know, raw materials, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Just to, just to offer a wide breadth of ability, you know, it could be kind of fun that way. I love yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Or or even having some sex that really focus on like monster taming and stuff like that. Sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. We, we mm-hmm. can't use technology, so we're going to use these forms of nature itself to get what we need. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah. Super dope. And yeah, these guys would be really antagonistic to the smelters. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. I could, yeah, see them kind of tracking once in a while. Like if they see that flare go up on the horizon, like send out a group of particularly extreme ones to try to take care of the issue before it mm-hmm. arises. Love that. Yeah, absolutely. That's dope. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. So we've got terrorists in, yep. in our midst. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Do you see do you see any particular like fantasy race who are aligned with these? And same question for you, Clark. Like, do we want to split these up by fantasy race or do we want to kind of keep them generic? Because I feel like the point of having different fantasy species is the idea that like there is some delineation about them, that there is something interesting Mm -hmm. and different that sets them apart from just humans. So if we have them just be like one big like metropolitan society, I feel like it would kind of like just turn them into humans again you know what i mean so i don't this is this is just my opinion on the matter i'm i get tired especially my problem with a lot of fantasy races is how pigeonholed they get of like these are the ones who are all the smiths these are the ones who are all the warriors so i personally prefer it if the races are more about physical dimorphism Mm -hmm. um So they're physically different, you know, just like we have different breeds of horses. And then you can have like culture and subculture differences, just like we do have in ours. But specifically since the Mm. prompt called out the fact that the races aren't warring with each other, to me, that implies that they are intermingled. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that does just create another version of humanity like you're saying, but that's that's kind of what I had been picturing. But I'm curious what you guys are thinking. That's sort of what I had been thinking too. Like maybe certain groups are better acclimated to different like areas or climates or whatever, but overall they still all can work together and get along. And I'm sure there are probably extreme groups uh, that are like, no, or like the elf separatists or something, but Mm -hmm. in general, um, they're still like working together. And like I was picturing my faction as 
a blend of the different ones. Although yeah. probably less dwarven, just because mm. those are generally associated with like blacksmithing and forging and stuff. Yeah. But mm. I did still picture like a, a mix. And I I think the smelters would be especially hodgepodge because that tying into sort of the superpower mm. aspect. I figured mm. anybody who manifested a firepower would basically end yeah. up being part of the smelters. Sure. Like if if you're manifesting fire, the thing is like, well, next time the smelters come through, you're joining their ranks because it's not safe to have you around. Mm. But I don't know, maybe your faction is more racially focused, Rob. <laughs> it's it's not, but I think it, it highlights my one of my major issues with fantasy races in general is that like again, I, I just see like no point in fantasy races if they're not like remarkably distinct from humans. You know, because like if we're just going to do human culture differently or if it's going to be so close to human culture that it's just like humans, but a little bit different, I'd rather just have them be humans. You know what I mean? Like and it, and it boils down to like fantasy races to me are often more an aesthetic choice, which I'm fine with. Right. Like if you want to be a cool like red tiefling with horns and shit and that's because you want to look that way, I'm totally fine with that. But very often it just bothers me that like fantasy races are uh, like you said, Clark are pigeonholed right into being like a monoculture or a like, Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. All dwarves are good Smiths. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that to me, it's like, okay, well you're, you're really kind of taking away a rich potential in terms of what they can do. Yeah. But, but again, I'm just ranting about why I fucking hate fantasy races again, (laughs) but whatever. Well, the other, the other thing that we did talk about, remember is that they are distinct races that can't crossbreed except for the ones that are half corrupted yes exactly so it is gonna be more like cats and dogs living side by side Mm -hmm. than it is just different ethnicities of humans coming together it's like yeah Yeah. we know that you're a person and like you're sentient and Mm -hmm. you have personhood but like you are definitely your own thing we can be friends we can be fond of each other but like that's it unless Mm -hmm. one of us is corrupted right Mm-hmm. But but that's what I mean. Like once something reaches sentience, you know, if if they're biologically close enough, then it's like, uh, I mean, they're they're bipedal humanoids. That and that's what I mean, right? Like if if things are just like bipedal humanoids, then it's going to be like, well, you might as well just do humans, right? Which again goes back to why I like Boss Log as much as I do, is because when they have like fantasy races, they're fucking weird. They're like bugs who can't talk and like plant people and completely remade humans which is all like oh yeah these are all like really rich interesting things but when Mm. it comes to like elves dwarves etc that to me is like you could have just done humans man like there's there's like besides like okay yes they're separate species that can't crossbreed like sentience in terms of like what their their thought process is is so close to human that you might as well have them human you know Gotcha. Again, well, again but, I'm I'm ranting. I do I don't want to belabor this point any more than I already have. Okay. Because, I mean, to bring ugh. it up, like Boss Log, like they do still have cities where all these species live together oh, and absolutely. like interact and stuff. So yeah. like, I feel like that's kind of what's going on. Like we don't necessarily have to have, oh, uh, like elves are just humans with pointy ears. Like we could mm-hmm. do something like maybe dwarves inherently can like shape metal with their hands or mm-hmm. something. Like we can make them more different i'm cool if with that's that what you want. yeah if we want to spend a little bit of chunk to like differentiate what the how the elves are different from the orcs that are different from the dwarves i would love that i'm totally okay with that but mm-hmm. you know like um i, I suppose i got to get through a faction first huh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we got a little distracted <laughs> yeah. there 
Um, apologies for the mini rant, y'all. Like, uh, anyway, okay. So here's what I've got. It's it's um not quite a mix of your two factions, but I feel like they can be fairly adjacent to both of yours. More more Clarks, admittedly. I was thinking, I'm like, okay, we've got a fairly strong emphasis on blood and purity and corruption in this particular setting, right? And I wanted to focus a little bit more on the revolutionary aspect that is cultural, right? Like I want to explore the themes surrounding like toppling tyrants just a little bit more. And, and also I wanted to amp up the, the gunpowder stuff just a little bit more. So they're not forgers. They don't make the guns and stuff themselves, but what they do is they create their own ammunition. And what they do is they take uh blood from corrupted beings or non-corrupted beings, and they basically implant it into the bullets themselves, right? So they're using Mm -hmm. like coagulated blood. And this is where I was hoping that Clark especially would help us out here. I'm imagining that by having this blood, it will either purify or further corrupt the thing that they hit, right? Because it's technically non-magical, right? You're just using like the stuff that exists out in the world as is, you know, like you might need to bleed people to death or, you know, gather blood from people in some way. But the overall concept is like, Hey, we've got blood bullets and these blood bullets are particularly effective against uh, the despots in the world. Right. And the despots in our world are almost always like fiend blooded in some way, either in part or in whole. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So what do, what do y'all think about that? That's kind of what I've got in mind right now. I love that idea for for the faction. So this is a group that is basically creating the armament specifically for revolution. Right. And also like they they practice what they preach as well. They're they're out there shooting motherfuckers as well. You know, they're they're not just suppliers, they use their supply. So are they kind of nomads that are going around headhunting the despots and the tyrants and stuff like that? I imagine that, it, yes, in part. I also imagine that it might be like a loose kind of group of underground rebels or like, hey, we're going to supply the local rabble rousers with some bullets yeah. that are really effective. Or, you know, like maybe they're trying to destabilize tyranny through that way, through like a, a small shadowy underground of like supply and demand or or even like, you know what? Hey, we've got like mercenary revolutionaries or something like that. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And they can just install a small cell in a city and be like, we're going to kind of lead your rebel faction, help you do this. And then right. when you need it, we can call the other forces in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I really dig that. Yeah. So was the implication that like shooting um, with pure blood would like remove that corruption? You're saying, yeah, see, I'm, I'm not really sure about that. I just know that I want blood to be involved within the bullet making process because I feel like our our setting relies so much on blood purity, right, or or blood corruption that I'm like, there's got to be something that we do with blood because magic, it, it seems to me as though magic is kind of inherent within the blood itself, right? And so if we create some way to either disrupt that purity or to force it to be more corrupt in some way. I'm not sure which, by the way, I'm just, I'm just trying to show you my thought process here. Then like, yeah, there's something involved in that process that is disruptive to those who are fiend blooded in some way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So are they against anyone with those powers? 
I think they're more interested in like making sure that yeah, they're, they're more interested in like causing social change and being like, okay, oh yeah, no, these are tyrants. Let's you know stomp out tyranny where we can. You know mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I do kind of like the image of shooting somebody to cure them of a perceived corruption, though. That's interesting. Yeah. Ooh, that's kind of interesting too. Yeah. This is the point where we hit some major fork in the road, major forks in the road, multiple. (laughs) And I want to toss some of them out because this is a place where you could take this core setting and go in a number of different directions, especially if you wanted to do a game or novel or something Mm -hmm, like that, right? mm -hmm. We could really double down and make it so that the corruption is, we we have it kind of tied to the magical power that people have, these sort of superhero powers. It could also, instead, it could be a disrupting factor. So its presence in the world just sort of throws things off kilter. And when you have some of the corruption, you sort of have access to it, but it's really fragmented and patchy. And that's why you can only do a small piece. Mm. Um, You could have kind of things of like why the corruption is drawn to energy sources. Um, What's popping in my head that I think would be super cool to explore is if we, we already kind of have this outsider fire and energy connection of it feeding off of the energies of our world Mm -hmm. it would be cool if this faction which i don't know do you have a name for them nope no i don't um i don't what's popping in my head is the blood keepers but Mm -hmm. (laughs) this group has found a way to essentially catalyze that feeding process of Mm -hmm. energy so I want to specifically tie it to the gunpowder. So using the gunpowder, like they're able to condense the corruption down and put it in like a hollow point bullet or something like that. Right. And then when that combines with the massive energy, or at least as massive as they can do safely of the gunpowder that like catalyzes it and triggers it. So when it hits somebody, it could both simultaneously consume and expedite the corruption. So it can be a thing yeah. have they like, you you hit somebody with this if they're beyond a certain level of corruption they rapidly go into the monster form and then die mm. like it just mm-hmm. it just accelerates to an extreme degree mm. um, okay i don't know i'm just throwing out ideas no 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 i i like the idea so okay here here's what i'm thinking while you're talking through that right like yeah they need pure blooded demons in order to make this kind of like blood concoction right like like you said right the blood itself or the the outsider force itself is what is drawn to power and energy and it's what's warping reality because it's sapping so much of that energy at once. Right. Mm -hmm. So if we take that concept and it's like, okay, if you have the pure blooded demons, right, if you have the blood of pure blooded demons and you shoot it into someone who's only half corrupted, then it's going to cause rapid change or like a rapid, like consumption of whatever energy is in that, right? Like that's potentially what we're working with here. But it also what it also does is it, it makes this band of revolutionaries a lot more badass because it means that they have to fucking hunt demons in order to mm-hmm. supply themselves with the with the weapons they use. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just got a science reason for this. Okay, what yeah. do you got, Clark? <laughs> Basically they're using phosphorus rounds. Okay. They're using blood with phosphorus rounds. So um tracer rounds and other chemically treated rounds. The ones people are going to be most familiar with are tracer rounds, where they have a mm-hmm. a blade of combustible coating, which is why it burns and lights up as it shoots forward. Mm-hmm. They could go beyond that and make it so that most of the bullet is that kind of thing, or it or the bullet really is a shell that's carrying a combination of 
uh, a powder or liquid chemical mixed with the blood so that when it hits, it starts burning. And that's where it's mm-hmm. its own little package of highly condensed energy. And then when it hits the target, it breaks apart and melds. And that's why when it hits, it, it shatters and goes through that rapid acceleration. Mm. Um, it's like phosphorus grenades. If you ever want to uh, never sleep again. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, you, you can look up phosphorus grenades. It's a, it's a war crime for a fucking reason. Yeah. If they did even small bits of it and maybe they mm-hmm. do higher caliber guns, which have lower range and low. So it's like mm-hmm. closer to mortar artillery, like kind of a mid range between a rifle and artillery. Mm-hmm. Um, they would be able to load it up. Yeah. Mi- miniature grenade launchers, basically. Mm-hmm. So miniature phosphorus grenades combined with like satchels of the demon blood. And then when that hits, just it's going to go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> hey, question. Um what happens if like a non blooded person is hit with this stuff? Does that cause like a kind of fiend blooded? Like, are we causing like X-Men mutations if, if someone randomly gets hit by this stuff or is it a more deliberate mm-hmm. choice than that? You know, cause like last time we were talking about how, uh, you know, to inoculate themselves against the demon plague, they kind of had to become fiend blooded in return. Mm-hmm. Right. Which for those of them who survived. So does this mean that if they're exposed to this fiend blood in this way, that they are inoculated, but also fiend blooded themselves? That's the question. I think however we want to do it, we could. Um, I I definitely think their main goal is that if you hit somebody with it who already has fiend blood, it accelerates the corruption within them and very quickly Mm -hmm. like causes them to explode into a demon form and then die like Mm -hmm. that. That's the point. But yeah. as for what happens, I don't know. What do we want to have happen when they hit a normal person? Uh, I still feel like it wouldn't be good. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, well, because uh, again, we're we're definitely in a fork of a fork of a fork of a road here. Because if we make it so if you get shot by this stuff, you know, then you can also create an inverse faction where there are people who are like, hey, look. Everyone can benefit from being fiend blooded. Everyone can have mm-hmm. a superpower of their own, right? Like you create an offshoot that says this is actually not a bad thing. And honestly, yeah. you could have it be like a splinter faction from this kind of original revolutionary group being like, wait, there's more benefit to this than there is harm mm-hmm. as long as we keep it under control, you know, mm-hmm. like that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I've also been thinking about like the, just the implications of like, what happens with blood transfusions and what happens mm. with like, I don't know. I could see a lot of really bad things happening um, with this faction and like yes, targeting people who aren't abusing their power. They're just trying to live peacefully and all of a sudden they get raided by this group and mm. um, forced to become like fully fiend blooded, even though they mm. never wanted that in the first place. Right. Every group is going to have extremists. Yeah. And yeah. Psychos. Yeah. yeah. And that's where I think that's where also some of the fun and complexity can kind of come in where it's like you have this group who stands for this particular ideal, but then you also have to deal with the human element. And yes, I know I'm using human in a broader sense, by the way, mm-hmm. you, but you have to deal with the human element of like, yeah, there's going to be people who are like targeting individuals because they have personal or political vendettas against them rather than like, yes, they're actually fiend blooded and need to die. And then there's going to be like corruption within the organization themselves. Like, yeah, there's, there's all sorts of fun stuff that you can toss in there as well. Mm-hmm. So here's what I'm thinking. 
here's what I would find very interesting. I think this faction specifically, and I don't know how you guys feel about the name Blood Keepers, but I think they are probably the only people in the world who have figured out how to replicate the corruption that leads to manifestation of powers. Mm-hmm. Like anybody else, when you get hit with oh. the corruption, you're just probably going to get sick and possibly die. You either recover or you mm. don't. They have found a process that they can take the pure demon blood, put it through process and treatment. And when you hit somebody with that, it actually corrupts them completely, which means mm-hmm. if you hit somebody with it once or twice, they're going to manifest powers. If you hit somebody who already has really strong powers and has been increasing their corruption, mm. you can tip them over and kill them very easily. Right. Um, so that's Not kill special. them, but rather transform them into full demons, right? Well, and, and then and kill then, them. And then kill them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yes. or, yeah. or capture them. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think if they're the ones who have that secret, that that's a big reason why they would be mm-hmm. one of the three most notable factions, right? Mm-hmm. And that does give them a thing. And it's also then being hit by one of these bullets, which special bullets going to be super expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we talked about it last time, right? Where there's that whole thing, you get hit by the special arrow, right? Yeah, if you survive. Adventure, exactly, yeah. Yeah. If you survive, you're probably going to wake up and you're going to have some minor powers. Um, mm-hmm. So so this is this is definitely like giving me like Witcher vibes as well, yeah. right? Where you go through that like alchemical process. Definitely. You're, yeah. You're, you're no longer entirely human, right? Like you can't breed with humans anymore, but or again, humans not in this particular setting, but you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. But, but yeah, like you are marked as irreparably different from that process. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. I also feel like there's, or I'm picturing anyway, um, kind of the thing style blood tests where they yes. like, especially yes. the more extreme, um, parts of this faction, like taking blood samples from an entire village worth of people and like testing mm-hmm. them to see if there's any impurity at all, if, like the fiend blood reacts in any way. Mm. And then like using that as an excuse to uh, exterminate basically. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't really want to turn this faction into like inquisitors. You know what I mean? Like, cause mm-hmm. that's effectively what you're doing. If you do something like that, like I like the idea of like a blood test for sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't like the idea of them utilizing and mind you like, yes, you can have a sub faction that does this and they're villains and whatnot. Right. But like overall, I'm mostly interested in keeping them less evil than the fucking Inquisition person. Right. Yeah. So these guys, yeah, these guys are very pragmatic. They're like, no, these, there is good that can come from this change. And there's a lot of useful abilities it can give us. There are people Mm -hmm. who take it too far as people. And there are Mm -hmm. people who move too far as corruption. And both of those need to be addressed Mm -hmm. as well. But like Mm -hmm. as a whole, in a sense, they're kind of they're kind of they are the peddlers of alcohol, but also are huge proponents of moderation. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think I think that their form of moderation is also like, look, we've all got a clock when it comes to this corruption stuff. Right. Like so it, once you hit a certain point, I imagine that it, it becomes like it, it's not just an intervention. It is a lethal intervention. Like, look, you're too drunk off the blood. You got to go, you know? Right. And then at the same time, I can't help but imagine that there's probably volunteers who are like, look, turn me full fiend, right? Like, and then milk my blood so that you can continue this process ad infinitum. Definitely. Yeah. Which is a gruesome and horrific thing to think about. But, you know, I I can imagine that it works. 
I, I was imagining less volunteer, more forced when it came to that, but Why well, both? <laughs> I no, I completely agree. Like yeah. they're definitely like the majority of it is like, look, we're going to attempt to capture any fiends that we create, mm-hmm. but also like I can imagine like people who are really down for the cause. They were like, yeah, no, I'm going to, I'm going to turn just mm-hmm. use me as a, as a blood bank, you know, as long as you can. But like, you're right. That is the extreme rarity rather than the rule. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it would create like really cool character moments. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also the other thing I want to point out, if these guys, it sounds like they're automatically going to be corrupted themselves on some level. Mm-hmm. That means their own weapons are just as dangerous to themselves as the people they're hunting. Mm-hmm. Yes. But Ooh, I oh, do. That, okay. Maybe I that's do. how we make the differentiation, right? Like it, it is a over the time, like slowly corrupting thing. Whereas like the naturally existing fiend blooded people, they don't become more corrupt over time. Right. Mm. Like I don't think we've established Mm -hmm. that, but I think that if this bullet type thing, like maybe that's the caveat, maybe that's the catch is that over time, they slowly become more and more corrupted because it becomes like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just tossing that out there. I think that's a good way to like, make it more interesting. Yeah. 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 Clark, what were you going to say before? Yeah, oh, I was just saying, I, I really like the idea of there being that thing of we're we're in battle. I'm part of this brotherhood or whatever. And I, I get hit by some friendly fire and there is that moment like, OK, well, this is going to go bad. But yeah, the yeah. last thing I can do to help you guys yeah. is like put me in chains now mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. use me for more like use me to further the cause since yeah. I can no yeah. longer actively further the cause like sort of a martyr complex could be very yeah. satisfying here in terms of mm-hmm. story catharsis. And, and then what you can do as well is like, maybe that's like part of the end, like the retirement ceremony, like quote unquote, but then <laughs> there's the one who's like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then when it finally comes time, they're like, Oh fuck, I don't want to do this. I actually don't want to do this. And then they bolt or, you know, like they're a refugee. And so now yeah. you have to hunt down a comrade who's just on the cusp of turning. And it's like, oh, man, that like adds that little extra tension and like fun drama to it yeah. as well, you know. Or even yeah. people who leave early and they're just like, I'm going to retire before this gets mm-hmm. too bad. And like, OK, you just really got to watch your use of powers because yep. mm-hmm. you don't want to you don't want to corrupt too far and then end up hurting a bunch of people. We don't want to have to come hunt you down because you've gone too far. Like <laughs> yeah. lots of cool stuff from that. Yeah, I, I'm also picturing that my faction would probably use some of that technology mm-hmm. because I was mm-hmm. thinking as we were talking about all this, like they would probably be opposed to the powers that come with mm. the fiend's blood because they're opposed to like any use of excess energy because they think that that will automatically attract the plague or oh, okay. cause the plague or something. Mm-hmm. So maybe like they are also using it as that sort of purity test that I talked about where like. Yeah, they, oh, they test populations yeah. and yeah. they're like, uh, you've got like this person in your midst who nobody knew had these powers. They didn't mm-hmm. really use them. Maybe maybe they barely even knew they had them. Mm. But like we got to drag them out and uh, get rid of them for, mm. quote unquote, the greater good, as they and say. I, I'm far more amenable to your faction coming in as being like the the purity (laughs) testers. Like, Uh you know, like, cause that to me, I'm like, yeah, that kind of fits with what they want to do anyway. Right. Like, right. Because if their whole deal is look, this is bad for everyone. Like the use of technology is bad for everyone and it attracts this plague. Then what that says to me is that they're mostly terrified of the plague and of drawing them in. Right. Mm -hmm. And so 
yeah like that totally works that's dope as fuck i love that yeah and that really helps solidify that faction for me in my head because it's not just it's not just anti-technology it's anti-technology and anti-magic yeah so like if you have superpowers get out of here you have Mm -hmm. tech get out of here we just do it the old-fashioned way period yeah I'm now thinking that like maybe Robert was a defector from your faction who brought that with them. For like sure. they, yeah. they felt some sort of guilt or they just got this like extreme idea in their minds that like, Oh, this could be used to like wipe out everything. We should just mm-hmm. do that instead. Um, and they defected and went over to my group who then became more extreme as a result. Now that they had this way of like testing the right. quote unquote purity. Hell yeah. Right. And as we all know, with cults, it's uh, they don't have to be internally consistent. So their <laughs> yeah, leader could yeah. absolutely be a highly corrupted was, individual who's absolutely. going on a campaign against that the corruption. Yeah, I feel like that's so often the case anyway with cults. You got like, yeah. these people preaching, you know, abstinence, et cetera, who turn out to be just sleeping with everybody and, and so yeah. on. In the cult. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or what was that? Who is that senator who is like supremely anti-gay legislation and then it turned out that he had like slept with 94 men or something like that do you know what i'm talking about have you heard about this story no but i feel like i feel like that happens a lot yeah yeah Yeah. there's also that like oh god it's ancient at this point but remember when the onion had a video series on youtube I mean, maybe what was, what was the video? Okay. Series? Yeah. okay. Back when the onion was on YouTube, they had this like one shot, like newsroom type thing. Mm-hmm. And it was like uh male prostitutes gearing up in preparation for the GOP, like, visit. Oh. like it, yeah. it was just like, they were interviewing like uh male sex workers being like, yeah, they're always exhausting. Everyone gets like a ton of money when they're in town stuff like that. But mm-hmm. anyway, anyway, again, getting a little too far off there. Okay. Our, our factions are good. We, we've like we've spent mm-hmm. a lot of time on our factions, but holy shit, I have a much clearer vision of what our yeah. world looks like now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. This is dope. OK, we we definitely have enough here to make a main storyline quest. But like, what does that look like? What do we want mm-hmm. to focus on when it comes to the main storyline quest? Like, because, man, there's so much we can do here. Yeah. Uh well, I feel like my guys are probably going to be the villains. Something, something tells me that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that, that's the problem with all of these. When you're like, "What's our main story?" I'm like, "I don't know." I see like 20 stories. Which one yes. do we want to do? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And if we want to push ourselves, I can throw something kind of off the wall that's going to make this challenging, but could be sure. very interesting. Let's yeah. start there. Okay, so let's actually take all of this and try and plan out a cozy mystery. Cozy mystery? Yeah, okay. Oh, I mean, that, that's fun. <laughs> you say you say that's difficult. That's not difficult at all. I really like that idea of like honing in super close on just some like quiet village or, yeah. you know, like one group of your nomadic smiths or something and like following them very closely and like having it not be this like terrible world ending yes. apocalypse or like a bloodbath or something. It can just be something much more honed in. And that's that's exactly where I was going to go with it as well. It's because Clark gave us the tools for a cozy mystery, especially if we want to make them like fun little party animals when it comes to like. Yeah, like there you go. You need like some supply is missing or some supply was stolen or sabotaged. And now you have to figure out who did it. Mm -hmm. And you can bring in both my faction and your faction, Courtney, as like. Oh yeah, this person's a secret like bloodkeeper, and this person's a secret, you know, anti-magic cultist. 
you know, and like which one actually did it, you know, like where was the actual purpose? You know, I mean, with that framework alone, you can run it. So it, it changes every single time and their motivations yeah. still stay the same. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. We could very easily do kind of an Agatha Christie type mm-hmm. thing where her stuff wasn't easily. quite cozy, but you know, like there's a city where for some reason, all of these factions are in play. And then it becomes a whole thing of like trying to figure out who does have means, motive and opportunity mm-hmm. and, and proving it. And the yes. sleuth is just, an average person from the community maybe they're mm-hmm. corrupted maybe they're not maybe they learn they're corrupted through the story like lots of that but yeah i threw out cozy mystery because we've talked a lot this has been a lot of like <laughs> genocide and blood yeah. and revolution yeah, yeah. and i'm like it'd be yeah. cool to have it be a little simpler and kind of wholesome <laughs> okay yeah, so totally let's, let's i suppose what we should do first what do you mean by cozy mystery because agatha christie is pretty close to cozy mystery to me like i know that in my mind immediately goes to murder she wrote as like quintessential cozy mystery but maybe i'm wrong about that clark what do you mean by that uh i mean she probably is it's been a long time since i've gone over her stuff but cozy mysteries in general for the subgenre that we have today is very small focused the person who is doing the mystery solving is not an investigator is not a professional of any kind they're mm-hmm. always an amateur sleuth mm-hmm. and uh, they're navigating through figuring out what happened in their community like that's kind of the nature of it. Um, also, cozy mysteries are way lighter on any. They're they're PG thirteen. Like oh, there's you. there's death and stuff, but there's not going to be a bunch of drugs, not a bunch of swearing, not tons right. of gratuitous violence or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So that's most of it. So yeah, that that is right. kind of. I guess I just didn't want to lump Agatha in with the current genre because she has a yeah. very unique style that is almost like her own there there is mm-hmm. almost specific subgenre for Christie novels like Christie mm-hmm. mysteries mm-hmm. so maybe it is all the same thing but that's maybe i'm spending too much time with mystery writers so that i'm like here's the subgenre <laughs> and here's the sub subgenre and <laughs> well i would say miss marple is probably like in that Yes. You know, like more cozy than like a Hercule Poirot, right? Like definitely. Poirot is closer to, you know, like less cozy, but I still mm-hmm. I would still say pretty cozy. But yeah. Yeah. Miss Marple is definitely cozy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's Miss Marple or it's like Angela Lansbury and Murder, She Wrote or yeah. like maybe even like a monk. I think monk might fit into that as well, you know. But yeah, I feel like I feel like those are good examples. And it's not necessarily murder all the time, right? It could no. be. Yeah you know who stole the cookies or like you know whatever yeah yeah that's what i was wondering like how do we want to kick it off like what's the um what's the source of this mystery to begin with like if we want to avoid you know somebody getting knifed in the back or something i i still say that we start with clark's faction Mm -hmm. and with clark's faction you have the immediate like MacGuffin, which is hey the supplies for this thing because there's going to be a massive you know 48 hour like forge mm-hmm. event, right? It's it's mm-hmm. like one of the biggest. And all of a sudden the supplies go missing, right? There's a yeah. key component that's gone, whether it be ingots, whether it be drugs, whether it be like something else that makes this thing go, it right. is now missing. And then right. that's where like people come in because that that doesn't necessarily, you know, need someone to get knifed or dead. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it could, like you were kind of saying earlier, it could be randomized each time yeah, to to like exactly. change it up. Like, yeah, maybe sometimes it's like the the fireworks that they used for celebration, mm-hmm. or sometimes it's like the pig that they were gonna kill to have a barbecue or something like that. Yeah, 
Yeah. If you wanted to keep it cozy, you could, or, and if you wanted to keep it randomized, so even like the GM doesn't know what it is. Like, I feel like you could create a self-contained adventure with kind of like the framework, and then like the, yeah. the GM rolls it ahead of time. They're like, okay, got it. Now I know what to do. You know. Yeah. 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 Especially if we're building out an adventure, you can do it something like um, the Waterdeep Dragon Heist, right? Where there's different paths that it can go mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. So it, the structure is laid out, right? There's going to be a twist involving this guys. These people are going to show up at the halfway, like the halfway point, right. the cultists are going to show up. And then just depending on the path you pick, why they show up and what they're doing is going to be different. Right. And yeah. then you also have a formula that you can say, Hey, if you want to recycle it, here are the pieces mm-hmm. to change mm-hmm. and fill in the blank for yourself. And boom, there you go. Yeah. Daniel is actually uh, done something very similar well, it wasn't exactly cozy because it was like dark and zombies and lots of blood and death and stuff but um he has an adventure where it's like it can be randomized each time where like it's not always the same overarching villain it's not like mm-hmm. people don't always go to the same locations at the same time um and nice. it, it creates this cool like thing that he can run repeatedly over time which is yeah neat. and and realistically right if you're running that you can keep it simple you know, like, okay, this is the villain. And based on who the villain is, you create this timeline of their actions. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's how you'd kind of keep it relatively simple. It's like, based on who the culprit is, you run this type of adventure with mm-hmm. these kind of trigger points. It's like, oh yeah, if you choose a cultist, then they're going to get found out and they have to knife someone in order to, you know, like keep their identity a secret or something like that. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Yeah. If we really wanted to, you could even do roll tables. You could do roll table for crimes, yeah, motives, and yeah. uh, perpetrator. Yeah, I think that would work really yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I I really enjoyed this series. I really I mm-hmm. have to say this this world and this this kind of and not even the even the main storyline quest. Like, yeah, it's completely different than what you'd expect, right? Like, we're not right. talking about a revolution. We're talking about you know, like let's save the party from being boring. You know, that's right. and that's yeah. really fun. I always appreciate that kind of twist that we can bring. Yeah. I mean, even like The Witcher had certain quests like that. Like thinking about The Witcher 3, there was a quest about just finding out what happened to some woman's like cast iron pan. Yes. And yeah. Like stuff like that, where it's like these little things that just add a lot of flavor to the world. And it exactly like even though we're in this like horrific post-apocalyptic post-genocide world, it doesn't have to be like all super serious all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's not world shaking, but it sure mattered to somebody. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And and you know that people are going to be talking about those, you know, this particular story for a long time. Um, who boy. All right. This has been a fun one, y'all. I've really enjoyed this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you to, to one Mr. Diplo Raptor for suggesting this particular prompt. And remember that if you want us to build your world, if you have a prompt that you want us desperately to build for you, you can go to our website worldbuildwithus.com where you can click the link follow some instructions and within a reasonable amount of time we'll be building your world if you want to follow us on social media we're on youtube and we're also on twitter at let's world build so go do all the things that make social media happy by liking following subscribing hearting uh npc chat whatever give us flowers whatever the fuck we need to do right and of course, if you want to come and join and talk to us more directly on Discord, we have one of those. Or if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always give us money over on Patreon, where you'll get access to sweet, sweet patron-only goodies. And Clark, thank you so much for joining us once again. Can you tell people where people can find you on the internet? 
Always a blast joining you guys. Yeah, the best places to find me are on my website, which is just crrowinson.com. I haven't been great about updating that, but that's the best way to contact me is through the Contact Me page. I'm most active right now on YouTube as the Magic Engineer. And if you ever want to chat with me, you can go into the World Build With Us Discord and ping me, and I will respond to that. Um, If you have excess money to give away to creatives, I do also have a Patreon page. I would recommend you start with World Build With Us because this is their (laughs) podcast. So um, those are the main places to find me, Patreon, Discord, YouTube, and just direct emails. All right. Thank you so much, Clark. And you know what? No, we respect crass like shilling on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, go go give Clark money too. Like yes, he's agreed. he's got some really cool stuff that he's got available for y'all. So so yeah, go take care of that. Anyway, all right, that's gonna do it for this episode of World Build with us. Remember that we love you very much, and we're gonna get through this together until next week.